Before we had the Bible, God sent the prophets. He would give messages to his people through these characters of the Old Testament. And, and like that sounds cool. It, it sounds awesome to be the mouthpiece for God. And then we realize that often the word of the Lord would send, or the, the word that the Lord would send to his people was word of conviction because the people had sinned. And, and so the prophet had the privilege of being the voice that called the people out of their sin. Or the voice of the prophet told terrible things to come. And if the people did not turn from their sin, turn their hearts back towards God, all these horrible things would, would, would happen. We may be pretty familiar with the term, don't kill the messenger, meaning don't get mad at the person telling you the message. Get mad at the one who sent them. But often the person doing the sending is out of reach and the person who is doing the telling is right there. So very close. The prophets did not have an easy life. They were given a burden from the Lord, a message from the Lord. And when they delivered the message, the people hated them for it. The vast majority of the prophets were killed by the people they were delivering messages to. But the burden of the prophets could not be ignored. The message must be given. And not all burdens are heavy ones. Today we take a look at the burden of the prophet Isaiah. Now Isaiah was a heavy-hitting and famous prophet of the Old Testament and His book in the Bible is full of heavy-hitting prophecies. And man, his death was not a pleasant one. But the burden of his that we will be looking at today was not a heavy one, but a message of hope. A promise of better times to come. A promise of a Savior. And so let us read our text this morning and listen to one, or yet one more voice of promise that we have in Scripture. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 to 7. We read the word of the Lord this morning. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This ends the reading this morning. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, for your word is truth. God, I pray that you would speak through your word this morning, that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. I pray this in your name. Amen. Do you have things that scare you? 
that make you anxious. I woke in the middle of the night this past week to a sharp pain in my body in an area that I'm not used to experiencing pain. And I definitely shouldn't be experiencing pain. It didn't last very long, but it was enough to wake me up and then my mind and my anxiety went to work. And then I did what, you know, you should never do at four in the morning when your brain is only half functioning and the part that is functioning is running through doomsday scenarios. I, I googled my pain. The list of things that could be wrong with me did not stop the anxiety that was building in my gut. It would be nice, you know, if, if the human body came with a check engine light that, that, that wasn't pain. And, and it would be nice if, if your brain had a department for processing the reasons for the check engine light and then, you know, just let you know what was wrong. Like, hey, man, you, you have a, a puncture in your stomach lining and, and you've developed an ulcer. Just go to the pharmacy and, and pick up this medicine and you should be fine in like a couple weeks. It'll, it'll all be good. Like if a department of our brain was just a doctor and could tell us exactly what was wrong with us so that we didn't have to worry about the litany of possible things that could be going wrong. I'm not typically an anxious person. Anxiety isn't something that I, I battle very often, but when it comes to doctors and, and surgery and the uncontrollability of health, I can get swept away by that tide with little to no resistance. I laid in my bed fighting the, the losing battle to try to rationalize away my anxiety. And then I'd get hit by some of that pain again and the next thing I know, I'm wondering how Karen and the boys are gonna get on without me. How I've not done everything I could possibly do to set them up for the future and how it's super lame that I'll never get to see my boys graduate, get married, or get to play with my grandchildren. In the space of an hour, my fear and anxiety has convinced me to give up my hopes for the future. In order to calm things down, I actually ended up waking up Karen and she prayed for me. And then the Lord brought me the lines of the song we sang last week, Waymaker, and I finally got to sleep singing over and over in my head, you are Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are, that is who you are. My health, the future and safety of my family, those things being put into jeopardy, the possibility of getting surgery or needing it, of, of being put under, man, those things, they freak me. I think my battery just died. But those things freak me out, man. Like, I don't want that. I want, no, I want no part of that. Those things are buttons of mine. And when they are pushed or when I feel that there is a finger hovering over them, like, they're, they're, they're going to be pushed. Dude, I start to get anxious. I'm, I'm sweating right now just thinking about it. Like, it's, I, I'm going to have to take this vest off here in a minute. I know the AC. Like, it's, it's totally should be fine. I, ah, I don't like it, man. I get, I get super anxious. I, I feel afraid. I feel like I'm in the dark searching for a way out of the emotions that are just completely wrecking me. 
Do you have things that scare you? That leave you in the dark, that leave you swirling in a cascade of thoughts and emotions that you don't feel equipped to deal with? That you don't have control over, that you don't know how to overcome, that you feel helpless against? Do you feel overwhelmed by darkness? You know, maybe it's not anxiety, maybe it's not depression, maybe it's temptation, maybe it's addiction, maybe it's the realization that something that isn't good is is calling your name and you lack the power to say no. Maybe it's a sin that you can't resist or maybe it's that feeling after you've sinned and you realize what you've done, you realize you failed in shameful and embarrassing ways and you've done things that you swore to yourself that you wouldn't. Things that you've looked down on others, maybe, for doing. And as the reality, the the scope of your hypocrisy and guilt cascades over you, the darkness of despair sets in. How could God forgive this? How could God forgive me? The people to whom the prophet Isaiah proclaimed these words understood darkness as well. They lived in a time when Assyria was oppressing Israel. Isaiah 7 and 8, the chapters directly preceding our passage this morning, talk directly about Assyria, about Babylon, and the invasion that is coming. And the initial audience that this province burden was delivered to was a people that had been overcome by the enemy. They had been overpowered by the dark forces that surrounded them, and they had been overcome by the darkness. And into this darkness, into this despair, we get this prophecy, this voice of promise, where we hear the people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. The only thing that defeats darkness is light. And darkness doesn't have the ability to spawn Light. The light that brings the people in darkness hope is not something that they have created for themselves. It's something they have seen. It's, it is something, a light that, that is dawned on them. It's not something that they have done for themselves. It's written in the passive voice. The passive meaning it's, it's happening to them. It is done to them. They are free. They they are given the light of hope, not because of what they have done, but because of what has been done for them. And this light that is dawned is a, a light of power. Isaiah compares the light's defeating of the darkness to Israel's defeat of Midian. In the adult Sunday school class, we have been going through the book of Judges, and just recently we've been looking at Gideon. The one that the Lord uses to defeat Midian, to release the people of Israel from the oppression of Midian. And when the angel of the Lord approaches Gideon, Gideon is, he's out in a field, scared that some Midianites might come and find him, kill him, and take the food that he is currently hiding. Here he is, a a man cowering in fear of the darkness around him, scared to have something, scared to save something for he and his family to eat. 
for fear that the darkness of the enemy will come and take that as well. And when he is told that he is a mighty warrior, even, even though he definitely doesn't look like one or, or feel like one, I mean, guys out in a field hiding food, and the angel comes and tells him he's a mighty warrior. He's like, I don't, I don't feel like any of this. He proceeds to put God through a battery of tests to make absolutely certain that it is God who is directing him. Gideon scared silly. And yet God uses him. And his pitiful army of 300, armed with torches and jars and trumpets, to break the yoke of the Midianites. God defeated the darkness. He set the people free. The enemy who was raiding their houses, stealing their food, making their lives miserable, the enemy that they were powerless against, was defeated. And in this same way, the light that is seen by those in the darkness, the light that has dawned on those in the darkness, the light that has been given to those in the darkness, casts off and defeats the enemy. God's light conquers the darkness. And in this prophecy, in this this voice of promise, we see the now and not yet of the promise. For we are promised that the light does the work, that that through the light the victory is won. And and we see the tools of battle, the the boots of the warrior and the bloodstained clothes being destined for the fire. They will not be needed when the final battle is won. And, And so though we still wage war against the darkness, the sin that is in our hearts and the sin in the world around us, we know we take comfort in the truth that the war has already been won. The enemy has been defeated. I love the way that that Raymond Ortland Jr. puts it in his commentary on Isaiah. He writes, Our liberator will not only defeat all the forces of evil, he will put a final end to the conflict itself. Every mechanism for tyranny will go into the bonfire of God's grace. Every mechanism for tyranny will go into the bonfire of God's grace. Now, I love that line. I love that line. God's grace for those who have been lost in the darkness will burn up the darkness with light. And it overcomes all the sin, all the hate, all the anxiety, all the depression, all the hurt and the pain that has been conquering our lives. And it forgives all of it. God consumes us, our failings and our flaws, with grace. The darkness cannot be victorious against the light. And so what is the light, we ask? And to that question, Isaiah answers, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. For to us a child is born. 
to us a son is given. It will never cease to amaze me that God's answer to the sin, the hurt, the pain, the fear, the anxiety, the broken world that we live in, the darkness that surrounds us, that God's answer to everything that has ever terrorized us is a child, is a baby, a baby boy. Swaddled and lying in a manger, a little child, a bundle of joy. One who will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. A Savior, the light in the darkness. Not one that we have earned, not one that we deserved, but one that we were given. And this little boy, this little boy would grow to be a man and And we'd have a life of ministry turning the world on its head. Spending time with the wrong sorts of people. With the outcast, with the sinner, with the addict and the sexually deviant. The wonderful counselor served and taught everyone, even those who didn't feel they needed it. And who rejected and even persecuted him. You see, the light doesn't mean anything to those who don't or who think they are already in it, right? In fact, it's offensive to them if you, if you tell them they need it since they think they already have it. It's offensive. What do I need this light for? I, I can see just fine. <laughs> no, no, your eyes have just grown accustomed to the dark. And because you don't want to call it darkness, you've decided to lie to yourself and call it light. But those who recognize that they are living in darkness, to them the light is everything that they have longed for. It is everything that they know they need but didn't dare hope that they would receive. It is their hope, and in Christ it is their promise. One of the things that I love about the ministry of Jesus is that it started in Galilee, as we read in Matthew 4, 12 to 17. Now in Israel's history, when they were invaded, as they were so many times, it was Galilee in the north that would be hit first. While the people in Jerusalem were safe behind the walls of their huge city in the south, it was the Galileans who were raided and enslaved. The Galileans were the weak ones the ones who were easily preyed upon by the enemy, the ones most easily taken by the darkness. So how fitting that it was the Galileans who first saw the light of Jesus. Do you feel vulnerable? Do you feel preyed upon? Do you feel like easy pickings for the enemy? Christ came for you. There is nothing that you have done that outweighs his love for you. His light is for each of us. His love is for all of us. And that love brought him to the cross. And on the cross, he took the sin that we could not pay for. He took our incredible debt of wrongdoings, of of missing the mark, of failing the grade, and he paid for all of it. 
So that through, in, through faith in him, we would be set free from the darkness, set free from the yoke of, of slavery to sin that has bound us up. And he has set us free. For when we have faith, God doesn't look at us and see our sin. No, instead, he sees the light of the world. He sees the baby in the manger. He sees Jesus. This is the burden of the prophet. This is the promise that we have been given, that Jesus is the light that breaks the darkness. That Jesus is the one who has won the war. That Jesus is the one who has conquered sin and death. That Jesus will reign forever. That Jesus loves you. And that there is nothing that you can do to earn that love. No, we do not earn it. We are simply overcome by it. Overcome by the light of the world as it dawns on us. As it is given to us. Man, what a hope. What a promise. What a burden to be told. May this burden affect us in the way that it did Isaiah. May we let this burden of truth comfort us. Be our light in the darkness. And may we share this burden of truth with our neighbor. That we may bask in its light together. What a wonderful, fantastic, loving, gracious, and merciful God we serve. Amen.